the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Thursday, April 28th, 2022. I will do my monologue at the top of the next hour. It's a little different uh, than uh, than some uh, or than most, and I uh, would ask you to tune in and check that out. So um, we'll get to that in a little bit. This is um, something Tom Cotton, senator from Arkansas, tweeted out, and I'll start the show here, folks. Um, Tom Tom Cotton tweeted it out with just one word, one word alarming and it's a um, it's a 30 second clip from uh, uh, Joe Biden President Biden today uh, talking to the um, press corps about the goings on with Russia and Ukraine and the added sanctions he is putting on them uh, alarming again is what Tom Cotton said I'll give you uh, Joe Biden here in his own voice of, uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their take their their ill-begotten gains. <laughs> We're going to accommodate them. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, yeah, kleptocracy and klep- the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> but these are bad guys. Uh, that was that not doctored. Here it is again, once more. To accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their take their their ill-begotten gains. <laughs> We're going to accommodate them. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Uh, yeah. Folks, I don't know. I'm not a medical doctor, and I don't know what that laughing business is. And if there is a doctor in, in the in the house in the audience who has seen that. Um, what that laughing is when you get so discombobulated like that is that is that a traditional effect or affect of those who um, you know are effectively of mentally diminished capacity? Uh, but for him to laugh through those words, he can't get out. Um, it, it must be indicative of something. Indicative of something else, however, and I want you to think about this. This is a foreign policy wartime set of comments where he is talking twice, twice about accommodating the Russian oligarchs. You guys know what the word accommodate means. It doesn't mean punish. It means appease. It means help. It means give in to their demands. And he's twice misusing that word. By the way, think about, think about what every country in the world, maybe outside of Great Britain, maybe outside of Canada, but almost every country in the world, think about what their translators are doing now in reproducing that speech or those comments by the president of the United States vis-a-vis the war between Russia and Ukraine. How, how, how are they going to write this story up, those in the translation business? Because let me tell you something, this is really even much more weird. 
if you go to the White House website, whitehouse.gov, and their briefing room where they post all the transcripts of the speeches as, of the speeches as delivered, I looked at how they handled that paragraph because I'm always, you know, we're supposed to be against disinformation. We'll talk about that in a little bit too. I'm curious to see if they're if they're revising in real time. If you read the speech at the White House website, it has the word accommodate in there with a line through it and a bracket that says hold accountable. So the opposite of accommodate. But then, as you as you heard, he used it twice. Yeah. The second time in that speech, they have it without the line through it. And without the opposite definition, it's amateur hour at the White House or 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 better guess. And I'm only guessing better guess is the staff in the White House communications department has such a massive crisis on their hands. They don't know whether they they it's like the boy who had the wolf, the wolf by the tail. Do you let it go or do you hold on to it? They don't know whether it's appropriate to correct in the record the pre- what the president said for the historical archives or whether the right thing to do is to leave it there. And yeah, it's not just that word accommodate. Did it strike you as odd to hear him talk about ill-begotten gains, a phrase he used several times in that clip? Has anyone ever heard the phrase ill-begotten gains before? Do you know what the word begotten means? It means to give birth to. It means to deliver to. So I don't know how you're going to take something you give birth to. This is a fine mess is what it is on what is this the is this the biggest test of his presidency, Russia, Ukraine? I don't know. He's had a lot of big tests. Uh, COVID was certainly one. How did he do? How did he do with COVID? Well, his own test was if you lose 200 lives If you lose 200 American lives as president, you're not qualified to be the president of the United States. That's what he said in his last debate with Donald Trump. And then his administration takes over with a vaccine, which didn't exist when Joe Biden said that about Donald Trump. And under President Biden, to remind, he lost or this country lost. But to use his 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 parlance, he lost Far more than 200,000 lives, far more than what Donald Trump did when Donald Trump's lesser offense made him unqualified to be president, according to Joe Biden. So, yeah, COVID was a big challenge and a big test for Joe Biden. I think we call it a fail by his own criterion. Um, Afghanistan was a big test for Joe Biden. And I think we call it a fail by his own criterion. Americans and allies won't be left behind and the Taliban is not likely to take over. They took over not when we evacuated, after. Nope, before we evacuated. They were already in charge and we were doing negotiating with the Taliban for American and allied lives after we left them all of our equipment. So I would have to say COVID and Afghanistan failures. What about this Russia-Ukraine Test. Now, foreign policy is what tends tends to define a presidency. If there's a major foreign policy issue, it tends to wipe almost everything out. Think George H.W. Bush and the Iraq War. Anyone have any other memories of what George H.W. Bush's presidency four years stood for? Except for the Iraq War. Yeah, I mean, we can do it. But that that was the defining moment of his the defining issue of his presidency wasn't it uh ronald reagan 
We can talk an awful lot about what Ronald Reagan accomplished in his presidency, but wasn't wouldn't we be honest in saying the biggest achievement was the conclusion of the long twilight struggle and the Cold War and sticking it to Gorbachev and the Soviets and engaging in the efforts that saw the wall, the Berlin Wall come down the year Ronald Reagan left office? Foreign policy tends to dominate these things. Bill Clinton didn't have much of a foreign policy uh, uh, presidency because he didn't have much of a foreign policy uh, uh, crisis except for the one that was self-imposed. What was the one that was self-imposed? The one he hand-delivered to George W. Bush, 9-11. How did he hand-deliver it? Because of several times he could have gone after bin Laden and did not do so. Uh, and and did not handle the 93 uh, World Trade Center bombing in the appropriate way that would have connected the dots that would have prevented 9-11 as those people just, uh, promised they would come back and they would be successful next time. George W. Bush, he comes to office um, with high plan, big plans on uh, education reform, charitable choice, if you remember that whole compassionate conservative agenda. Totally wiped out by a foreign policy crisis, 9-11. So my only point is a foreign policy issue and war particularly can define a presidency. I don't know if it's going to define Joe Biden's term because we still have some time left in it. But as of right now, it seems, again, by his own judgment, the biggest thing he wants us to rally around, he did – he dedicated – repeat again – he dedicated the first third – of his State of the Union address, the first third of his State of the Union address this year, to the Ukraine invasion, the Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. I think I know why he did it. I think he did that uh, based on two reasons. One, yes, the enormity of the situation. I don't know that it required, you know, a third of a domestic policy speech. But secondly, I think it was to try and rally the people of America try and unite the people of America who seemed on a bipartisan basis to be supportive of the Ukraine and to rally. It's a very difficult thing to rally the American people over a country that isn't the United States of America. He failed that too, and he's failing before our very eyes, not only with syntax and the English language, but with any sense of reason or competence. It's a frightening moment, folks. We're good. We're good. We're good. We made it. Um, one of the things I wanted to raise, though, was I'm not sure if it's better when President Joe Biden speaks with cognizance or when he speaks without cognizance. I mean, obviously, you can't have the kind of co incoherence that I just played for you, uh, where he gets the exact opposite word twice into a sentence where he then uses an opposite word to talk about the thing he's giving opposite meanings on. I mean, yes, if, if that sounded confusing, that's what Joe Biden did today in talking about Russia and the Ukraine. He talked about accommodating those who he intends to actually punish. He said it twice. We're going to accommodate the oligarchs, laughing about it as he was struggling for then the word kleptocracy, which is, you know, it's a fine, perfectly fine word. Speechwriters or he should have tried to perhaps know better that when you struggle with all men are created equal, then maybe maybe kleptocracy shouldn't be put 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 
put on put on your tongue. And then, of course, uh, when he spoke about ill-begotten gains, sounding like a total fool, using a phrase twice, again, that doesn't have the meaning he thought it did. The phrase is ill-gotten gains, not ill-begotten gains. Um, ill-begotten means uh, ill-birthed, as if, as if we are giving them or they are birthing these gains. Anyway, that was, that was him today on the international scene. Yesterday, where I am guessing, because at least he used the words with their full meaning, yesterday over a ceremony at the White House to celebrate the 2022 Teacher of the Year Awards, you know, the Teachers of the Year, he says um, to the audience, and maybe you heard some audio from other shows on this, uh, he's talking to the teachers, he says, they're all our children. They are not somebody else's children. They're like yours when they're in the classroom. May I repeat that? He said, they're all our children. They are not somebody else's children. They're like yours when they're in the classroom. Now, when the former governor of Virginia, and the, who was also the former chairman of the Democratic National Committee, a man named Terry McAuliffe, was running for governor again in Virginia, he trotted out a line like that. He tried to say that in a debate uh, against uh, uh, his Republican opponent, and he said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. And it was probably the worst line of the race. That is the line that was responsible for Terry McAuliffe losing the race. I do not – I was going to say do not understand. I think I do. But I, I don't understand the politics of misreading the room so badly, the room being the United States of America right now. I do not understand the politics of misreading the American electorate and the American moment right now when it comes to politics. I understand why people like Terry McAuliffe, teachers unions and Joe Biden say they are our children and nobody else's. I understand the philosophy behind that. It's the notion of a school or teacher acting in loco parentis, in the place of parents. And that did, in fact, come from the progressive era. But, and it's an important but, that whole notion of en loco parentis for schools coming from the progressive era was never meant for regular schools. It originated in the notion of schools for orphans, orphans, you know, where there are no parents, where there is no parent authority at home, there is no parental unit, there is no home. Yes, of course, an orphanage is going to need to act in loco parentis, but for the rest of society, and loco parentis and schools were never meant to replace Parents, had we not until a year ago, Bill, I think I don't know if anyone else pointed this out. It's just dawned on me until about a year or two ago. What what was one of the universal first chief complaints of teachers who said they were having a hard time in their profession or their profession has gotten so much harder? What was one of their chief complaints having to do the job that parents refused to do at home? 
They were complaining universally. First complaint, maybe alongside salary, but I never saw salary as the number one complaint in the polling of dissatisfied teachers. That It's an issue, but it was never the top issue. The top issue was being asked to do the work that the parents wouldn't do or expected them to do. And now over the course of merely two years, we have converted that into not only the teachers' unions forcing this, but the entire Democratic Party apparatus from the former DNC and governor of Virginia to the president of the United States claiming that's what they want. Parents should stay out of the schools. If they deign to show up at a school board meeting to challenge the curricula, the FBI will work with local police to monitor that parent. In other words, another message of chill, another a priori uh, effort to chill the speech of parents who want to be involved in those schools, particularly with what the teachers are teaching and the curriculum. The Democratic Party is saying, no, we don't want you here. We are in charge of these children. It's an loco parentis run riot. It's much closer to a different phrase a different notion of this, a far a far stronger one, Latin also, parens patriae. Do people know that Latin expression, parens patriae? It's where the state is the parent of the nation or the state, the, the, the nation is the parent of the entire population. I'll give you I'll give you um, is is the father figure, if you will. Uh, the example that that best illustrates this is, if you remember, um, I use this example a lot. Well, I think it's a good one. Elian Gonzalez, you remember that poor little kid in two uh, two thousand, whose uh, mom died, bringing him here to Cuba, uh, bringing him here from Cuba, whose mom died, so that he could live in the United States of America, and his cousins wanted to keep him here, and Al Gore and Janet Reno's Justice Department by gunpoint forced him back to Cuba. Well, when little Elion at age five returned to Cuba, oh yeah, the cameras were on. You bet. The news media was there. The news media in America doesn't have a hard time operating in Cuba. You know that? You can appreciate why. Um, He went, Elion Gonzalez did, on television in Cuba to do what? Thank his father. Who was his father? Who did he say his father was? Not Mr. Gonzalez. Fidel Castro. He was not the son of Fidel Castro. This is all, as I say, way beyond in local parentis, which should have never been applied to regular public schools anyway, and its parents' patriae, where the state is the parent of the entirety of the nation. Boy, they are making no bones about what they're about these days, are they? 602 We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. First, we were told that spending trillions on COVID relief and blue state bailouts would not generate inflation. Then we were told the inflation would be transitory. One company got it right from the beginning, and that's my personal precious metal dealers at veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. As Washington politicians push the largest budget in American history and the Fed continues to pump money into the system, what happens next? What will happen with China and their hold on U.S. Treasuries as the value is whipped away amid the Biden inflation? Midas Gold Group will give you the latest inflation 
projections, just ask them for their free guide. Give them a call at 480-360-3000. Don't deal with questionable gold salesmen and avoid mail-order nightmares. Deal with the knowledgeable and reputable company, I, Seb Gorka, and thousands of you do business with already. And that's the Midas Gold Group, 480-360-3000, MidasGoldGroup.com. I will do my monologue at the top of the next hour, just after the 4 o'clock news break. It's, as I mentioned earlier, going to be a little different than most. It's uh, Today, for those that may be commemorating it or for those that may not know, it's known as Holocaust uh, Remembrance Day, uh, uh, a commemoration that goes back to the 1950s, at least in Israel, and has been adopted uh, throughout other parts of the world since. And uh, I'm going to give a different take on it than most of you who do know about it, who are commemorating it, will hear in my monologue. So I just want to give you that preface and say that as a springboard to something that uh, I don't think I do get to, will get to in my monologue, but I'll just lay the groundwork here. You've heard me talk about this before. We do live with lies. We do live with lies uh, in this country, uh, in this world. Uh, we, we do live with them. And they are unhealthy, and we I don't know how we convince ourselves to exist with them, but we do. Uh, one of them, of course, as mentioned in the previous segment, is that we actually have a commander-in-chief who is in command of all his faculties, or at least his basic faculties of speech and rationality. Uh, he, he surrendered that. All of that. He surrendered all of that in what he said today. I think he was well on his way to surrendering it before. Brandon Weikert tweets, dust off the 25th Amendment. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know how much longer you can go get away with what he did today. That's that's I think the worst I've seen it. I think that's the worst I've seen it. Using words for their exact opposite meaning and laughing through the whole point of it during what most people think is a solemn tragic, awful humanitarian crisis where he himself has ratcheted up the rhetoric to speak of war crimes and has muddled the messaging about what the U.S. has been prepared to do from the get-go. Remind you the importance of strong leadership. So one thing, lie we seem to just live with is uh, that the president's in possession of his faculties, faculties. The other one, Bill, right? The other bill, the one Bill knows I talk about an awful lot is uh, the greatest lie of the second half of the 20th century, never again, which is a phrase that came out of the ashes of Auschwitz, a phrase that uh, was adopted um, in the late 60s um, to reinstitute the notion that never again will a widespread humanitarian or genocidal uh, crisis take place, operation take place, where people will remain silent, where people will do nothing, where the Edmund Burke fear that the only thing for evil to triumph is for good will, uh, good people to do nothing, good men to do nothing, where that would not be the case. Never again was never meant to suggest that never again would something terrible or humanitarian crisis take place because, well, because human nature never again was meant to mean that it wouldn't be met with silence or indolence or appeasement. And it's just become a lie again and again and again. Look at what's taking place in China 
right now? Is there anything closer to what the concentration camps of the 1930s and 40s were and were so reviled appropriately than what is going on in the Xinjiang province in China right now, where the NBA and companies like Nike like to operate and don't like it when you point it out? Is there anything such exposing of a lie than that? While employees of Nike making millions lecture us about our bigotry in this country, employees with names like Colin Kaepernick? No, never again is another lie that brings itself to the fore on a day like today. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Folks, let me tell uh, tell you about an investment opportunity if that is uh, a mode of thinking you are in. You can invest in a secure and collateralized portfolio earning exceptional fixed returns and ha- actually helping other people. What people? People with private student loan debt that no one else can help and they can't get out of. The company Why Refi here, based locally, is able to help these people. Not only help them get out of student debt, help them improve their FICO score and resolve their accounts. On the other side of this is a great investment opportunity for you to be involved with Y-Refi and get these collateralized uh, portfolio, enter this collateralized portfolio and earn these exceptional fixed returns. I have looked at this company in great depth. I have met with these people. They are good people. I take these kind of investment um, endorsements very seriously. And the people at Y-Refi are solid as a rock. Check them out. Go to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. As I mentioned, they're a local company, and you can go and visit them. You won't get a sales pitch. They'll just be happy to show you what they can do and what they do, in fact, do. They're in the business of helping people that others won't, and you can be as well. InvestYRefi.com or call 855-316-3087. InvestYRefi.com. It's haunting for those that are able to look into um, areas of the world that are hearts of darkness. It's haunting to discover things um, that are going on in other countries that are nearly unfathomable. I say nearly because they are fathomable. They have happened in the past to almost or near universal uh, revulsion. Uh, you think of the Holocaust, we're commemorating Holocaust Remembrance Day today. You think of the Holocaust, that, that is something, that was a, a tragedy of such scale that it, it, after the fact, received near universal revulsion. I say near because, you know, unfortunately I have to. But it was, you know, perhaps one of the, um, what, most important, uh, m- most important touchstones or benchmarks of the description of evil in our world or what can happen with unchecked tyranny. Um, And I suppose the difference between the death toll that communism took, which is a much greater death toll than, 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 than emanated from the Third Reich, the reason I think people are always asked and I've always asked, why, why do we think more about what took place with Germany than we think about 
what took place through the twilight struggle against communism, which, you know, took at least 100 million lives. And I think the answer is the discrete time period in which it happened, the, that there was one leader everyone could fixate on rather than, you know, a succession of communist leaders, not only in the Soviet Union, but throughout the communist countries throughout the world. Um, and and I think, too, um, it, it, it resonated because so many testimonies in America and in the free world can be had from the families who literally suffered from it. After World War II, obviously, tremendous numbers of refugees uh, poured out of Eastern – well, poured out of Europe – and could tell their stories and we could learn it, whereas the communist imprisonment and death toll, you know, the communists, particularly the Soviet Union, uh, were very good at keeping their population in. You know, we, we didn't see vast exoduses from the Soviet Union until really in the mid-1970s. Uh, Jackson Vanek Amendment, some of the protesting efforts uh, that some uh, some some uh, uh, Jewish defense organizations were involved in, you know, they couldn't come out and testify. The only way you would know about what was happening in the Soviet Union, you weren't going to get it from the New York Times. The only way you would know was when people like Dennis Prager, as he said, as he tells the story, when people like him would go there on rare and occasional uh, visas and come back and report on it. He wasn't obviously alone. Uh, I just use him as an example because he talks about that in the opening of the movie uh, No Safe Spaces uh, that many of you have seen and can remember. So I think that's why uh, the Holocaust looms a bit larger in the American or Western mind as to the touchstone of evil rather than communism. And I think the other reason is that there are a lot of people in this world and sad to say miserabilia dictu in this country who still think communism is a good idea and can be made to work. And they don't want to tie communism to its essence, which is, you know, a death toll and imprisonment in the way that fascism or Nazism was tied to the Holocaust. So I think, you know, there are very few Nazis left, obviously, and the fascist movements in America, despite what, you know, the DHS may try to tell you. It's a it's very it's it's it's, you know, a negligible set of movements in this country. Um, communism, not so much, not so much socialism and communism, not so much proudly, proudly on Twitter is the communist ASU is the socialist student uh, movement, uh, socialist student union at ASU, where they say they are revolutionary Marxists. Who are looking to overthrow the city. Proudly, proudly do communists advertise their communism in a way that really, you know, fascists and Nazis just don't. Partly because they don't exist. All right, do we have time to take a couple quick calls, real quick? I think I can go to Greg and Chandler. Hi, Greg. Hey, good afternoon, Seth. Um, can't wait for your monologue. Thanks. I'm really excited to hear that. Thanks. Um, real quick, though, another note on that speech, and it happened before, too. It It's kind of in the same vein. It's a little bit of this scary stuff, fascism, yeah. you know, dictatorial, whatnot. Where do we or where does a president, a freely, theoretically freely elected president by the people in a 
representative republic? Where does he create the power that he gets to just go take somebody's property? Now, I'm not going to sit there and defend anybody in Russia or whatever, but are we just now able to arbitrarily say, well, we don't like this person for this X, Y, Z reason. We can go take their stuff. Uh, well, not arbitrarily. Yeah, I take the point. Uh, not uh, not uh, not arbitrarily, but if you, for example, um, and it's a good question, Greg. If you, for example, go to the website of the Department of the Treasury, uh, U.S. Department of Treasury website, and look at the kinds of sanctions we have um, imposed on you know other individuals around the world in other countries. Uh, and we have done so, you will find the U.S. laws that, you know, allow for the president to do that in the name, excuse me, in the name of um, of uh, of uh, of stopping war, in the name of preventing war. You will see that U.S. law has given the president that authority to do so abroad, to do so abroad, much like one might think. Uh, the president has the authority to uh, or consider that the president has the authority to kill an enemy uh, in 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 um, in any country if they have declared war against the United States. Um, it's not the same set of laws, but it's the same notion. I don't question the president's power to do it. I question this president's power to understand what it is he's doing and asking us to support. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by the good folks of Balance of Nature. When I say good folks, obviously I mean not just because, you know, they have uh, supported and endowed the kind of conversations that uh, we engage in here and they have supported the kinds of platforms that conservatives utilize as well as everyone else, but certainly not discriminating against conservatives, but also a great project they're doing now uh, to uh, help teach American history. But all that aside, it's their product that I use on a daily basis. Balance of Nature Fruits and Veggies, uh, the only all-natural whole food product on the market. I want you to check them out at balanceofnature.com. It's their fruits and veggies, a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables, powerful, potent stuff, all 100% natural. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Before I start my uh, monologue in the next hour, which I'm going to do on Holocaust Remembrance Day as the issue, I just wanted to mention something I, 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 I have to with regard to what is taking place in China right now. People think of China as you know just uh, another country uh, that is big and that we do business with, to quote Kamala Harris. China is a big country that we have a lot of economic relations with. And when people bring up the human rights violations, we have found that the Chinese don't like it. And they I don't know how she would put it. Listen to this. The students booked their tickets home at the end of the semester, hoping for a relaxing break after exams and a summer of happy reunions with family in China's far west. Instead, they would soon be told that their parents were gone. Relatives had vanished and neighbors were missing, all of them locked up in an expanding network of detention camps built to hold Muslim ethnic minorities. The authorities in the Xinjiang region of China worried the situation was a powder keg, and so they prepared. The leadership distributed a classified directive advising local officials to corner returning students as soon as they had arrived and keep them 
quiet. It included a chilling bureaucratic guide for how to handle their anguished questions, beginning with the most common. What was the most common question of these students returning home to Shenzhen? Where is my family? Where is my family? You want to know what the second most often question asked was? Where is my home? This is a government that is taking people from their families and their homes and putting them in concentration camps. And we sit here and say never again. It's another emperor without clothes. I'm Seth Liebson. I'll give you my thoughts on Holocaust Remembrance Day, Memorial Day, when we come right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.